0: Welcome to Critics Not Cynics, the podcast that tries to prove that you can be a critic without being a cynic. And on this week's episode of the podcast, we're going to be discussing It, Chapter 1, as well as It, Chapter 2. Um, I did a Twitter poll earlier this week and uh, asked if you guys wanted me to review both films or just the second film or whatever I felt like doing, and an overwhelming majority wanted me to review both films, as it is a complete story at this point. So, um, we're gonna delve into that. Uh, talk a little bit about the book as well, uh, and how it compares to the uh, the film, and or how the films compare to the book rather, and how uh, it compares to the nineteen ninety original miniseries. Um, I don't know if this will be a rather lengthy episode or not, but we will we will see. Um, so, to give a little bit of background with my experience of. Stephen King's It, uh, I think would have to go back to when I was maybe around 11 or 12. Um, I can't quite remember. One thing I do remember is that uh, VHS was still a thing at the time. Um, So at that time, we were, I think, renting movies at Hollywood Video, along with Blockbuster and our local network video. And um, we were out at Hollywood Video, and I was looking at the horror films, and I found the uh, two-set VHS of the 1990s miniseries. And having no idea what it was necessarily about, um, just knowing that it was in the horror section and it was two films, I decided to uh, go ahead and pick it up and, and give it a watch. And I remember watching it and the movie absolutely terrifying me. Now... Uh, if you go and watch it today, yeah, it's a little bit cheesy, but I still find it very, very effective, uh, and a fairly decent adaptation of the actual novel, and after finishing that three-hour miniseries, um, I was really interested in reading the book, and I think that this was my first exposure to Stephen King, and, uh, my personal friends all know how much of a Stephen King fan I am. I have not read all of those books, but... I tend to try to read, uh, or I've tried to read them now as soon as they come out. Uh, His newest book, The Institute, comes out on the 10th, and I don't think I'll be able to get it on Tuesday, but I think I will be able to get it on Friday so I can start reading it. I'm really excited for it, even though it's a little bit of a different um, take that I'm expecting from him. uh, I think that this is more connected to Firestarter and... Don't kill me uh, if you're a diehard Stephen King fan, but I have not read Firestarter, nor have I actually seen the movie with Drew Barrymore. Um, It's on my list, and I just haven't gotten around to it, and um, so I I plan to eventually, but uh, it's just not in the cards right now. But anyways, um, I uh, immediately after finishing the miniseries, I had my mom take me to the library, and since of course at the time I was under seventeen, and this was a you know, more mature book, my mom had to check it out for me. And I think I read the book, um, all, like 1,000 plus pages of it, in like a week because I had to get it done in a certain amount of time because I had to go back to the library. It was a long book. And I, I, I won't lie, I probably sped through some good sections of it. And uh, later in high school, I believe, uh, I tried to give it a reread, but I had a hard time getting through uh, about the middle portion of the book. But since then I've got the audiobook. I've bought a new version of the book that has uh, the new Pennywise cover, and um I plan on rereading it now um, after especially after watching this, but I, it might be a little bit before I get back to rereading it. But I just remember the themes of like friendship and personal demons and and fear. Uh, and overcoming that fear really, really, like, striking a chord with me. And I think that this is why I became such a diehard, like, Stephen King fan uh, and tried to, like, devour as much of his content as possible. And in fact, I actually have to think, I think even before I saw the uh, It miniseries when I rented it, I think I saw, I think my sister had um, recorded the Stand miniseries from the 90s as well on the VHS or I managed to catch some reruns. And I think I had at one point like convinced myself that that was just something I made up until like rediscovering it uh, a few years later. And I, th- I think the sand and it are like a running gun battle between, uh, to like my favorite Stephen King book. Like they're they're Well, I take that back. The dark tower series as a whole is probably my favorite piece of work by King. But uh, kind of more of his standalone books, uh, it's really tied between It and The Stand. Um, so The Stand might have been my first, like, kind of dipping of my toe into the Stephen King water. And then It was really my kind of catapult into his, his work. So um, when they announced that they were remaking the It series or rather like just remaking the adaptation of the book uh I was a little kind of skeptical especially like the early stuff when they were talking about Will Poulter playing Pennywise and uh and I I just didn't see him as Pennywise and, and of course like even with Bill Skarsgård uh I which I really enjoy his portrayal of Pennywise like there's something about Tim Curry's performance as Pennywise in the in the miniseries that really still sticks home with me. Like I find him a little bit more terrifying. But I what I like about Skarsgard's performance is that it's more of kind of like the innocent clown. Like I could see with his portrayal and the way like that he speaks and he's more of a like higher-pitched voice it's more disarming to the children so that the children would kind of follow more victim uh, from their innocence to to his machinations. So um, I was very skeptical. Uh, I never really had seen Andy Machete's work before. If I'm remembering correctly, he did Mama, and I have not seen Mama. Um, but don't at me if I have that wrong. Uh, so I um, was not 100% on board with it. But then, uh, especially when they were, like, kind of updating it that, uh, you know, the, the, um, the kids storyline was going to take place in the 80s, and, like, kind of trying to do the math of, like, when then the adult story would take place, um, and kind of changing that scenery from the 50s to now the 80s was a, a little concerning to me at first, but I was like, well, if they do it justice, then, uh, I will, I will be okay with it. So, um... And, and kind of the fact that they, uh, said that this, the first movie was not going to introduce the adults. It was just going to focus on the story of the kids. And I think that that was a kind of a smart perspective. Um, although the book tends to, you know, jump back and forth between the kid's story and, and the adult story. Um, and that's how the miniseries does it. And the miniseries does it in a very smart way. Um, where, you know, when the phone calls are being made by Mike, um, you're getting introduced to the characters one by one before they really like, kind of are coalesced into a group. Like by the end of part one of the miniseries, that's when they like really are the losers club. They've developed this friendship and, um, and uh, have become this kind of uh, force for good. And uh, so, uh, again, like I had all this kind of love for the original uh miniseries i had a love for the book and the source material and i like made peace with the changes that the the uh miniseries made to the source material um and i wasn't quite 100 percent sure if i would be able to adjust to uh Machetti's machete's vision <clears throat> but I, I i can say um that when we went and saw it at the movie theaters. I saw it with my, my brother and his wife and, um, my, um, and her brother. Um, we really enjoyed it. Like, uh, it it took its time. It was a two hour movie, a little over two hours. Uh, so it was doing, trying to make sure it was doing as much of justice to the book as possible. Um, and it, 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 stayed true to, you know, keeping the story solely focused on, the, ch- the children and I think that they'd cast pretty much all of the kids very well. Um, now unfortunately, and I don't understand why um, they kind of put Mike's character on the back burner which I think kind of reflects what something that didn't quite work for me in, in the sequel so we're gonna right now focus on my my review of the first movie um, so, I think that they, you know, the fact that they updated the period, uh, it, it actually worked. Uh, you had a really good Georgie. You had a really good uh, Bill, uh, Mike, uh, Richie, S- uh, Stan, Eddie, and Ben, and Beverly. Like, the, the kids were fantastic. I, I don't think you could have asked for better casting. Uh, you know, Finn Wolfhard did a really good job as Richie. Uh, Jack Dylan Grazer was pretty good Eddie, uh, especially like when you when you compare it to the kids from the original miniseries like all those kids were, were pretty good too but uh, these kids were in the new movie were able to kind of stand alone from those performances like they they, they made those roles their own like they didn't try to emulate or try to uh, repeat the performances from, from the original uh, miniseries. So Uh, you know, the basic story formats, uh, uh, or the layout's pretty much the same. Georgie, uh, gets murdered by Pennywise. And then each of the kids all have individual experiences. Now, one thing I didn't quite like about the original movie or the first movie rather, uh, was that they kind of switched some of the characteristics around for two of the characters. Like for some reason they made Ben, who is the new kid in town. Um, kind of like the town historian and considering that that's, that's Mike in the book, that's kind of Mike's, um, character, especially playing, um, more of a role in, in the adult form. Um, it, it it didn't make sense to me. Like they really put Mike on the back burner. They didn't bring him into the story a whole lot. He didn't get to interact with all the other kids a whole lot until later in the film. Um, and they didn't do much character development for him, like, other than, you know, his grandfather saying, like, either you're going to be the one in the pen getting the bull or you're going to be the one doing it. Meaning, like, man up, you have to control this, you're going to have to do the things you don't want to do, um, but you're going to need to do them to survive. And uh, although some of that aspects were great, and, that, and some of that played true to his character in the book... Um, they didn't do much with him. Like, so, uh, you know, it was fine. They did fine with the bullies, uh, you know, picking on him and, and, you know, the whole rock fight scene. But I just didn't feel like they gave him enough development, but yet they focus on all the other characters well enough. And for some reason, Mike got the shaft in that movie. Um, but you get Bill Skarsgård's Pennywise, and, uh, you know, his performance is fine. His... his uh, Makeup takes a little getting used to, um, especially since it's so drastically different than the the Tim Curry Pennywise, whereas, like, Tim Curry was more kind of, like, Bozo the Clown in his getup. up um, Pennywise, Bill Skarsgård's Pennywise is more of the old-time kind of clowns that if you go and look like, at pictures from, like, the 1920s or 1910s, uh, like the kids in their Halloween costumes, they're, like, far more terrifying than anything you really, like, see today. So... Uh, and again like the the way that his performance is uh as as pennywise like at times it's more subtle and at other times it's way over the top and um so i think like i i think that's where it works whereas like tim curry's pennywise was more growling and sinister and then when he went over the top it was a little like okay that doesn't quite make sense um but it's still terrifying whereas now with scars pennywise like it's more subdued. It's more quiet. It's more luring for the children. Like when you get the opening scene with him and Georgie, and and it matches the the book almost spot on. Like with uh, him t- describing the circus being swept uh, by a wind into the sewers, and can't you smell the cotton candy and the popcorn and hear like the the rides and everything? And if you're not really paying attention, you can see. Georgie kind of like sniffing his nose because he he can smell the smells of the, of the circus of the carnival, and um, I think that that le- like gives it a little bit extra credibility to me a- an extra layer of uh, performance and believability, and so I, I really appreciated that. And then when all of a sudden he you know. The kind of the eyes go from like the blue to the, the gold, and, and you realize that he's kind of more of an evil character. Um, I, I think that's credit to Skarsgård's ability. I don't think he ever really played anything um, wrong in, in this performance. I think that there are moments that are, and this where it comes from more of the, the effects sides of things where they did more of the CG versus the practical that it kind of felt a little weak, but it wasn't on Skarsgård. Like, his performance was fine, but some of the CG moments it, were obvious CG. And I think, like, again, when you compare it to the 90s miniseries, the practical effects, although dated, uh, at points still really work well. Um, minus, you know, the the climax, the, the, the thing at the end. So... Um, you know they they did uh they didn't have the kids all see the deadlights uh they changed some some certain things around with uh kind of like with um Richie's kind of more of afraid of like the werewolf from the werewolf movies but since they've kind of updated it and it's i would say I'm trying to remember when poltergeist came out I want to say like 85 but it may have been 88 but anyways, like with Richie, kind of being in since it being set in the '80s, if, if Poltergeist was out at the time, like kind of him having more of a fear of clowns, and uh, and then they introduced, of course, the House of Nebel. and I, that was such a great addition because it didn't play much of a role in the original miniseries, but it plays a huge role in the book, and so I really like that they had the experiences that they had in there, um, and uh, I really think that the way that that all progressed was, was very believable and yet, again, after that kind of encounter with Pennywise and they actually realize that they can hurt him, especially if they're together, um, then that kind of causing them all to split up because they can't all agree with what to do next. Um, while it makes sense for the second movie, which we'll discuss here in a little while, um, it didn't quite makes sense to me at the time, and, and it's kind of a reversal of what the book does. But um, then you have the kids, of course, getting back together and deciding, okay, you know, it's, it's got Beverly, uh, we're going to go save her, and they, uh, you know, go and have their kind of, or quote-unquote, final confrontation with Pennywise, which is all filled with some really great moments and, and some really decent practical effects. Uh, the Pennywise dancing scene, which I'm sure everyone has seen, like the the gif of it at this point, um, you know, kind of the crazy, wacky dance, It was all really, really great, and and kind of the rush moments, and then, um, you know, when they when they uh, have kind of this confrontation between Bill and Georgie, and him thinking Georgie is still alive, which of course, if you're if you're thinking logically, it's been a year at this point since Georgie went down the drain, and then of course. I'm trying to remember if in the book they do have a funeral. I know in the miniseries they had a funeral for him. I'm trying to think of the book. I think it did have a funeral for him. So this is a little bit of a different deviation of the, to the story. But I thought it was very well done. Even though like your logical mind's thinking, okay, there's no way he could have survived down in a sewer without food or healthy water uh, for a year. But um, you know the actors play it really well, where you're almost believing for a second that this is really Georgie. Um, so, again, I have to give them credit for for believability and, and strong performances. And I, I think, like, there's something that gets overlooked. Um, and, and I think it kind of gets glossed over in, the, in Chapter 2 as well. But, like, there's the moment where he's got Bill, and he's like, okay, if you guys leave and leave me with Bill, you guys will be able to go on and have successful lives and, and be rich beyond their wildest dreams. And of course, uh, you know, Eddie and, and Richie and all of them managed to get Bill out and they think they've killed him. Uh, it wasn't ever really Pennywise's goal for them to like, he, he wanted them to believe that, that they won. And so by doing that, he still kind of gives them the, the uh, wish he was offering them because uh, they all do get to go on and have like very successful careers other than Mike, but um, there's something missing there. There's, there's something lacking from their lives that are giving them really true happiness, uh, which is definitely a factor that plays on in the sequel, but uh, kind of giving Beverly this premonition of them as an adults was, was interesting and, um, and foreshadowing of course for, for, like, Stan, um, and the, the differences that they made in the books, uh, from the book and from the miniseries, uh, I, I, was able to live with it. Like, I didn't quite find it necessarily scary, but it was more psychological horror, because it's preying on their, ch- the children's fears, their own fears, their own insecurities, and so I think, like, that's what it really, really ex- Succeeded. Pardon my uh, little t- tongue twister there, um, but uh, it it also had issues with uh, with telling certain things in a right order. In, in my opinion, um, like even though people were kind of upset because they didn't quite find it scary, they didn't understand why people really liked it. Um, there are great practical moments. There is great character development for most of the characters. Uh, they changed stuff with Bauer's storyline a little bit. Uh, I kind of thought it was interesting that they made his dad the... the um, I guess he was the sheriff, or he was at least a cop. And having him kill his own father was, was very intriguing. But the fact of like Belch not playing much of a role in it, and considering how that, that moves forward later in the story, uh, they kind of switched that around, which, I mean, it's a minor thing. I was able to deal with it. Um, but... Uh, I, uh, I I thought that they could have done a little, a little bit better on that. And then of course they, they, uh, don't, they, they kind of leave you the impression that, you know, when, when, uh, Mike knocks him down the, the cistern or the, well, whatever that is, uh, that there's no way that he could have survived that now kind of a little bit of a spoiler foreshadowing a little bit, uh, of, of chapter two Uh, Which I felt like if you were going to do an end credit scene or something like that, this would have been perfectly the perfect thing to place was um, and this happens very early on in chapter two, but they show kind of the sewer flooding out with water and you see all the bodies of the, the dead children, the missing children, and then all of a sudden like Bowers Burst out of the water, young Bowers. Burst out of the water, and and then uh, that would have been a great place to like end it. So like you know that he's still alive because he does have an important part to play later on in, in the sequel. Um, but other than that, like when it has the practical effects, the practical effects are really strong. Some of the CGI effects are, are pretty strong, but some of them aren't. And I think that that's where it does kind of have issues. Like I th- I wish that the the leper, which was a great thing to bring. From the book into into the movie, which was something I kind of wish had been in the miniseries, but I don't know how they would have done it in the miniseries. Uh, I wish they would have been more practical with this look, um, but they, uh, you know, they they decided to go with CGI. And I think if you can walk a fine line with CGI, you can make the CGI really good, or it can be really bad. But uh, you know, in in the movie with them all making the promise and uh, you know. Um, cutting, making basically a blood promise, a blood pact uh, to return if it ever came back, because um, they, you know, they think they've killed it, but they, they can't be sure that they've killed it. So if there are signs that it's going to return, uh, they are all going to come back to face it head on together as the Losers Club. So, um, as an adaptation of the book, it it, it gets a lot of things right. But at the same time, I think it, it changes things a little too much again. I kind of wish that they would have just stuck with with the fifties timeline because um, I don't know I, It's something that I just think works really really well it's not the, I guess it's not the fifties if i'm really if I'm doing the math right. Um, I guess it would be the sixties or seventies. I always kind of get the impression that it's, it's the fifties, and I don't, I don't quite know why. Um, I think it's because because of, of the movie that they go and see at the at the Paramount. Um, Though, like I was a teenage werewolf, and it's black and white, and they're all kind of dressed in in fifties looking clothes clothing. And actually, since I have the book right here, I might be able to confirm whether or not, at least in the book, what the time period is, because the book might be a little bit different than than the miniseries. Um, but I think when they change that, yeah, 58. So it's like the end of, end of the fifties. Um, so when they, when they kind of upgrade that to the eighties, it it takes a little, I don't know, I can't quite come up with the word or the phrase of what I'm trying to think, but it it takes something away from that. Um, when you update it to the eighties, I guess like they're still, um I mean technology's still not nearly as advanced as it is nowadays um but I I don't know I, they did a good enough job I'll say that and and I felt like uh, you see enough of dairy to feel like dairy is a real place like this is a real place with real problems and this kind of like epidemic of children missing and being and being found murdered and and stuff like that um the Kind of the the one of the weird things that they decided to do with with this movie was, like, I, I mean, I guess it's kind of implied in the book, but it doesn't really seem as evident. And I mean, I, maybe it's a little bit implied in the miniseries as well that like Beverly's dad has kind of a weird relationship with her. Like, he's supposed to be abusive. There's there's no doubt about that. Um, he because it's supposed to lead to like her kind of, you know, having a history with abusive men and ending up marrying an abuser with Tom. And, um, but when they, when they have that scene before Pennywise kind of kidnaps her and her dad is almost close to, uh, I don't want to use this word, but molesting her. I mean, that's, that's, that's this close, like it, it, it doesn't cross that line, but it almost gets there. And that just seemed a little too weird for me and and they kind of revisit that in chapter two uh, but yeah i I don't know if they needed to go that far. I guess it was another layer that they wanted to add to the story, but uh, i didn't I didn't think you needed to go there, but um you know with with the changes that were made, I think it was it was close enough to the book that I was not able to. Or, I was not upset with it. Uh, I may not necessarily liked all of the changes 100%, but they they brought up key moments from the book that were not in the miniseries, uh, that were kind of glossed over by the miniseries. And, um, and that, you know, when you can do that, I, I can really appreciate it. There, there's a scene I've kind of been saying. Like, if you take Salem's Lot, the book, and you watch the. Uh, like, 70s miniseries, there are, are key moments that are, are from the book that you're like, okay, that that works. Uh, but there's things missing as well. And then you watch the, like, 2000-something kind of remake with Rob Lowe. And they kind of do the other parts of the book that were missing from the original miniseries and kind of neglecting some of the stuff that the miniseries did that the book had. And I'm li- I'm like, if you could kind of mix those two together and take the moments that the original miniseries had and the remake miniseries had uh, and kind of have them fill in the gaps of what each were missing you almost have a perfect adaptation of his book and i i'm almost thinking like kind of the same here if you take certain moments from the 90s miniseries and then you put it in with both of these movies and some of the moments that they have that's missing from the miniseries and some of the things that the miniseries has that the movies are missing, you'd almost have the perfect adaptation of his book. Uh, but as for kind of a review score for it, chapter two, like I said, the performance of the children's really great. And like nowadays with some children actors, it's or child actors. Um, it's really hard to get, um, kind of cohesive performances or, or rather, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Um I what what, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on the word I'm trying to think of, but uh consistent. I think that's what I'm talking about. Consistent performances, not necessarily consistent by the same actor, but uh the same level between each of the children actors. Like you need them all to be firing on all cylinders versus like this one having more of a standout. And we'll talk about that. Standout type type of thing with uh, the adults uh, in in the review part of chapter two, um, uh, but you know all the kids worked really well together. Uh, they all had great chemistry. You felt like they were a group of friends, and just even having references to the turtle from the book, even though it didn't really play like a huge role or the role that it plays in the book, uh, but having at least a reference to the turtle. Uh, is, is really cool and you kind of win points with me on that. So I think as for a review score on that, I'm going to go with, um, I think I'm going to go with a f- four, uh, yeah, I think a 4.5 out of five. Uh, even though I had some issues with some of the changes that they made, overall, overall the kind of spirit and essence of the story was still there and it felt like it was being respected. And, uh, that the changes that they were making were calculated. They were risks, but they were calculated risks that they were hoping that then would pay off later on in Chapter Two, which, to for most of the extent, it does. Um, yes, you have lack of character development. You have uh, for some characters, uh, you have uh, some kind of wonky CGI, but you have some really good. Um, character moments you have some fairly decent good psychological horror uh and you have like i said like the, the relationships is what really stands out uh when you have like bill and just him trying to come to terms with the death of of his brother and or just not even the death of his brother at the time but he just thinks the disappearance of his brother and him feeling the personal guilt also going through a time of growth and change physically and emotionally um, I think that that all really plays well into the strengths of the film so I think a 4.5 out of 5 is where I'm going to land on this one Uh, and I might give an overall score because one thing I would like to do much with how I want to do Avengers uh, Infinity War and Endgame here at some point um, I want to be able to review this kind of as a whole so i think i'm going to do an overview score but i think at the t- if it releases as kind of like a one package movie uh i think i will maybe review it a little bit differently at that point um uh, like a brief just a brief review uh to discuss it and, and kind of doing it as a context of a whole being able to start pro- chapter one and go straight through chapter two now i did rewatch chapter one before um uh, going out and seeing this today but i uh sad to say i wasn't paying 100 percent attention to it because i was trying to also multitask and play it on my nintendo switch uh but i I, you know most of the key points most of the key factors still kind of remain there uh i still remembered the you know particular moments and stuff like that so uh yeah i think a 4.5 out of 5 is where i'm going to land on it uh and then we'll talk about an ever overall score uh at the end of the podcast so Um, that's going to do it for the review of chapter one. Now moving into chapter two, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to try to kind of remain spoiler free. Uh, if, especially if you haven't read the book or are familiar with the mini series, uh, and you're just kind of coming into this for the first time because your first exposure to it was the chapter one. Um, but I might talk spoilers at the end of this. I'll try to give you a good spoiler warning if I do. Um, but, uh, so just to go off on like a, a kind of a, a problem I had with it at first and it kind of leveled out as, as the movie progressed was it felt like it was moving too fast. So, um, one thing I got to give them a lot of credit for, because again, adapting this for the times, considering that like in the book, it's, it's more set like in 80, 85, 27 years, 1958, something like that. Uh, around 85, uh, and, um, kind of remembering the atmosphere, um, of the time, the culture of the time, uh, especially kind of pertaining to, um, the gay community, uh, you know, the book really kind of starts off, uh, with the, the murder of, um, a young gay man, uh, by a group of like local thugs, and like the um, uh, the guy who did it talking about seeing the clown. And the clown was the one who actually murdered murdered the young man. And the movie kind of picks up right with that. And I was really happy with that. like that that was something like, again, you're taking something that was missing from like the original that to me is kind of even though it's a small part of the beginning of the book, it's kind of an important part so i i really liked that that was in there and i thought it was pretty well done um in fact i was talking with my sister-in-law after the movie uh and because she couldn't remember that part if that was in the book or not if that was something that they put in and i said oh no that's like right at the very beginning you have the cops interviewing the suspect and this suspect talking about like why he attacked the boy and why they like um threw him over the bridge but that the clown was the person who actually murdered him that the the guy was alive when he hit was in the water but the clown was there and the clown was the one who killed adrian and so uh again it's like a level level of detail or a layer of detail that i really appreciated having in the movie so uh i got to give him a lot of kudos to that and then you jump into uh the phone calls And my calling each and every one of the losers and them having their experiences. Now, what's really funny is, uh, because most of the critics of Stephen King, and I can't say that they're always like 100% wrong, uh, always criticize and say that he doesn't know how to write an end. Like, he can write on and on and on and on, but when it comes to an ending, he either rushes it or he botches it completely. And so there's kind of a running joke throughout the film that bill can't write an ending to save his life and i was like oh that's kind of funny here you, you're, you're taking a criticism of king's work and you're making a joke of it and i thought that was great um but they do nothing with the character of his wife and this was something i didn't like uh, because again two characters that are are kind of important in the book and one that remained important in the miniseries was his was bill's wife audra and you know they get it right she's an actress she's working on the movie of the adaptation of one of his books uh and there's a kind of disagreement there about you know how his work is being adapted for the film but like that's all you see of Audra. like doesn't really even get mentioned that he's married to her a whole lot um like it's it's mentioned in the beginning but it never comes up again the rest of the film and beverly being married to tom and tom uh since he is a, a, a serial abuser and uh, kind of a control freak over Beverly, you know, follows her to dairy, gets manipulated by Pennywise, kidnaps Audra, um, and, you know, plays a bigger part in the role at the end of the climax of the book. Um, he just gets kind of like introduced and then thrown away, like doesn't play a role at all in the rest of the movie. And I, I don't like when you discard these characters, especially when you're already making the movie almost three hours long. Anyways, um, I think that they decided to kind of replace the Audra stuff with, uh, the kid that built chases in the, uh, in the, um, mirror maze, uh, even though it has a little, quite a bit of different outcome. Um, but anyways, kind of getting back onto the track of the story, you're getting introduced to all of them as adults and it just like, it just rushes, it rushes right to the Chinese restaurant. And them kind of re, uh, reintroducing themselves and getting reacclimated to uh, you know each other and kind of having their memories slowly come back. And then this is kind of where um, it, it does the reverse of kind of how the book is set up and how the mini series was set up. So uh, the at the point from chapter one and they all kind of like split off. They all have and And this movie, Chapter Two, kind of fills in that blank period. They all end up individually having encounters with Pennywise before the final confrontation. And so uh, and I have to give the filmmakers credit because, you know, not knowing if they were if Chapter One was going to be successful or not, um, they managed to have like we're ready as soon as they got the green light. Uh, and Andy machete signed on to do the sequel. Um, to go ahead and film the sequences of the of the kids uh, then versus waiting two year, waiting a year or whatever uh, to look kind of, like, film, uh, you know, their scenes. And then there's obviously an age discrepancy. Like, as we've seen in, you know, Stranger Things Season 3, Finn Wolfhard's taller and more deep voice because they're all going through puberty and all that stuff. Uh, you know, they still manage to retain their looks and and sounds from the first movie on. So it makes the transition very easy. And, uh, and considering that they actually bring in the ritual of Chud into this movie. um, I won't say how, how it actually plays out in the movie, but um, just the fact that they introduce it uh, and, Kind of is what gives it the like the impetus for them. They kind of had these individual experiences and, and memories uh, from their childhood that they kind of had blacked out and are regaining during this time. Um, I thought that that was very smart, and again another layer that they added, and and actually also kind of developing the backstory for Pennywise. Now this is kind of an anti-spoiler slash spoiler at the same time. Uh, if you don't really want to know. Kind of about the origin of Pennywise Or want to kind of be more kind of surprised By what they talk about in the film Not that they go into too great of a detail Uh, Go ahead and skip uh, Maybe a minute or two Because I'm going to just talk about it briefly Uh, So if you don't want that spoiled Skip about a minute or two ahead uh, In the podcast But he's not an alien It may appear that they're trying to say That he's an alien Um, But he's not And this is if you read the book, it's, it's they do kind of go into his uh, origin. He's an interdimensional being. And this is where it kind of ties into like the Dark Tower series and everything like that. And where the turtle kind of plays into more of a factor. And yes, this one actually has a reference to the turtle as well. Uh, but it, it's not quite explained. But if you're getting the idea that he, he's an alien, he's not quite an alien, but more of an interdimensional being. Uh, so like when he says in the in the climax, like... I am the eater of worlds. It's because he's gone from these worlds, worlds, world to world and just devoured their entire populations. All right. That's going to be it for that little bit of a spoiler or anti-spoiler. I just kind of wanted to explain that. Cause I, I, I discussed that with my brother and his wife after the movie. And, um, I just kind of like, I wanted to make that clear. Like I knew she got it cause she had read the book after seeing chapter one and my brother has not read the book, and I was just like, I want to make that clear. Like, I don't know if it's very evident to the audience, but, like, just don't don't go in there thinking that. Um, so, uh, again, you have some really great moments. Uh, but, again, uh, uh, you know, again, I got to say this. Like, the, the CGI... I, I felt like the CGI was weaker in this one than the first one. Like, I feel like in the first movie uh they managed to keep the cgi relatively minimum uh except for like later on near the climax of the film and and, like the stuff in the house and kneebolt but this one really has it kind of in full force whereas like the practical in my opinion of the miniseries worked a lot better like i liked kind of the update to the fortune cookie scene but when everything on the table is cgi'd and all of it's not necessarily great but not necessarily awful cgi it was like a little bit too much especially like uh there's a like a black ooze that kind of starts burning the table like they could have just done without that they would have been fine without that though i would have been able to bear the cgi a little bit more but then there's like major transformation stuff that uh really kind of shows a little bit of the weakness uh and one thing like although i wasn't really excited with the some of the casting uh, I was I was fine with James McAvoy, who is quickly becoming one of my favorite actors of the current generation right now. Uh, you know, the first movie I ever saw him in was Unwanted, and I didn't really think much of him then. And then, uh, you know, just start seeing him in other stuff, his stuff as Xavier in the X-Men franchise, uh, his portrayal in Split and Glass. Um, just, like, the guy has multiple layers uh if you ever seen i think it's filth the irvine welsh adaptation um he's fantastic in that the man really kind of pours himself into the roles so i was fine with him as bill i was fine with jessica justine as beverly um i was definitely on board for bill hader as richie uh but then like uh, oh and i don't know the guy's name off the top of my head but he's in uh the um sinister movies who plays the uh deputy um somebody or whatever whatever they came up with a silly name for him uh he's pretty good as eddie and then the other actors uh now i know the one actor who plays stan uh plays alec Hall in the swamp thing uh dc show um and he, and he was pretty good for the small amount of time that he is on the screen um but they um when they actually show up on screen and especially since there's kind of a flashbacks back and forth uh, you really kind of when you see like the younger versions of them and then the older versions of them they actually did a really good job of casting people that had characteristics or looks of the younger version so you could reasonably say Oh, yeah, I could see that being the grown-up version of Eddie or the grown-up version of Ben because he's kind of got a little bit of the same cheeks and the same eye uh, structure. Mike has kind of the same face build. Uh, you know, like, they're, they're uh, Stan almost looks dead on. Like, the nose, the cheeks, the eyes, the hair, they all look very similar to the the uh, children. So kudos to the casting director on, on that because that was a very... Uh, tricky thing to pull off. Now, um, everyone is is fine in their roles, but a, a, the one who is a huge standout in this movie is Bill Hader as as Richie. He is fantastic as Richie Tozer. I mean, he he pulls off the comedy really well. He pulls off the serious moments really well. Uh, you know, he's got some really deep character development. Now, some of the changes that they made in this, I don't agree with. I feel you know that wasn't a part of the book. Uh, I I don't feel like that. Um, I came to terms with it, but I don't feel like it was necessary. Uh, although I will say, like at the end, uh, dealing with uh, kind of a certain bridge carving, uh, I I didn't mind it. But I, I just want to say, like it just it 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 didn't feel needed. It was something that they put in there that was not needed at all. Um, but. They, he just is the standout role. His comedic timing and just even the seriousness that he plays in the certain roles, very well done. And, and, uh, the guy who plays Eddie is really good too. And the, their chemistry is, is what also really kind of helps this movie succeed. And, um, uh, well, oh shoot. I just lost my train of thought where I was going to go with that. Oh, but one thing that I I did not like, um, and this isn't really a spoiler or anything like that, but they kind of make Mike a little unhinged. And I think you can say, well, that's because of his time in Derry. He stayed there. He's remembered the stuff. The others left and they've all forgotten. And he's kind of been the the lighthouse keeper to make sure that everyone kind of upheld the promise. Uh, I did didn't like the idea of, like, he's going manically to convince uh, you know, Bill and the rest of the, the group that they have to do this, that they need to kill it for good this time. Otherwise, you know, it's it's just never going to stop. And uh, I mean, there's some questionable choices that they made with this character that I was just like, that that wasn't really needed. Like, you know, you you could have made him more leveled out. They kind of fixed the whole uh, historian aspect a little bit because they kind of just gloss over that fact. Like they they kind of I think they. Realized a little bit of the mistake and kind of the criticism of making Ben more of like the town historian versus um, Mike, but because uh, like you get a flashback where like oh wait all of a sudden Ben's building stuff for them and then Mike is kind of now as an adult been the one like oh I've gathered all this stuff I've talked to, I've talked to the local Indian tribes and uh, and we've kind of I've learned all this backstory to Pennywise, so I uh, I really. Uh, think like again, Mike's character gets a little bit of a disservice because they didn't do enough to kind of build it up, and then they kind of throw a, a kind of curveball in there with kind of a back the backstory with his parents. Uh, the, it makes you question things a little bit, but um, and it gets resolved by the end of the film. But it was just like, oh, okay, that uh, yeah, that didn't quite make sense. So, um, but I have to give him all. You know credits, to, again like they were believable, grown up versions of of their child of the the child versions of themselves. Bill Hader manages to just like, just blow everyone out of the water though with his performance. Um, so, uh, this one has a lot more scares in it. I will say like this one's a lot more like less on the psychological versus just the regular straight up horror. Uh, there were more moments in this movie that got me than got me in the uh, first one, so uh, I really have to give it a lot of credit for that. And uh, again, though, it makes makes some changes that I'm not quite sure were necessarily needed. There are some fake outs, and you'll I think you'll know what I'm talking about when you if you go out and see the movie. Like it's because they're almost like back to back to back, where you're like, okay, this is going to be the mo- oh wait nope okay, this, com- no, okay, no, all right, well, that's, that's okay, like, happened three times in a row, you know, it's like, you kind of wore out your welcome the first two times, after the first two times, um, but, uh, you know, they, and they, I will talk something about kind of in the, in the spoilers thing here in a little bit, but uh, the, when the CGI needed to be good, it was good, and the other moments were kind of a little lackluster, um, but one change that they did make, uh, I'm not going to go into details about that, but, uh, I will say it will, it involves Stan and it involves a letter at the end. And I, I liked that because that's kind of one thing I never quite, uh, was thrilled about with, and, and even just the novel and, and of course in the, the mini series, uh, is kind of how his characters dealt with as an adult versus not how he was as a kid but how he was as an adult and this letter um and you'll know what i'm talking about because it comes into play at the end uh i thought was was really well done it was a change that i really enjoyed and i really liked and i thought it added another layer to his character so i really appreciated that uh again like they left out certain things uh like like the audrey character and the tom character that i think would have been more beneficial especially you're you're already running about three hours like would you have derailed the film a little bit had you had these characters in there i don't i don't quite think so um the henry bowers stuff like that was good i was glad that they kind of you know did a flashback to explain uh you know him still being around uh and playing you know, out that part of the story, although that didn't quite go the way I wanted it to go, but it, I mean, it, it worked out. I mean, that, that's how this film really really succeeds for me. is like, even though that there was these changes that it didn't quite like, they, they worked out. Like, within the context of the film that they're in and the story that Andy is telling, it, it worked. I may not have liked it, some of it, and I may not have agreed with some of it, but he had payoffs for pretty much everything. Um, so, uh, I'll go ahead and I'll give my review score for, um, chapter two, and then I think I'll give out my overall, um, score, uh, and then I'm going to talk a little bit spoiler, uh, about something, some stuff in the climax. Um, so I think with this one, I, I think I am going to land on a 4.5 out out of 5 as well. I think I might actually downgrade chapter one to a four. Um, Cause I don't want to really score them the same. Cause I, I felt like chapter two had better payoffs. I think it did some things a little bit better that the first movie didn't do. Uh, I, I kind of, I liked the flashback aspect and I almost wonder like maybe we should have had the adults in the first movie as well um especially since like that's kind of how the story plays out in, I'm sorry. I come- in the book uh pardon my little guest host there that was my siri on my watch i'm moving my arm around too much as i'm talking uh and i must have hit my siri button so apologies um she apparently had some stuff she wanted to say about that and because um, i think like it, it's it's good to see these kind of characters come to terms with their past and uh i think that would have been a better way to approach it but you know we got what we got uh I, I although i think as a standalone if chapter 2 was never made and you only had chapter 1 i think it's fine there but in the context of the f- of the films together and the films as whole uh as part of the same story i think that they should have had the adults integrated and we've kind of viewed this all through the lens of the flashbacks like you could have had basically how the miniseries did it. You could have had the phone calls to, you know, each of the characters and then you told those certain points of the stories and then you can kind of leave, uh, the adults out of it for the, you know, climax of the first film and then, you know, brought it up them coming to Derry and kind of picking up the story at that point and still having some of the flashbacks to some of the ancillary stuff that, uh, they introduced in this one. Um, because you I mean it, that's what really worked for me in this movie was was that kind of back and forth. Like there, there's and again, like talking about the characteristics of the adults and, and the kids. Uh, there's a moment when uh, Eddie is going to the pharmacy to pick up his prescription as an adult, and he's remembering something that happened during the period where they were all kind of split up. And you have young Eddie, oh, so you have old Eddie, kind of going into like a a see-through uh effect and young eddie kind of walking up and having the adult actor and uh the young actor's faces kind of lining up and seeing how close some of those uh similarities are in their facial structures uh and just being like oh yeah i could totally see him being adult all right being him him being the adult version of him and so i think that was like I I kind of really wish that that had been integrated into the first movie a little bit more. So I think that's why I'm going to score um, chapter 2 higher at a 4.5 and chapter 1 at a 4. Because I think that 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 juxtaposition was better. Uh, It was a better storytelling mechanic. Um, Okay, so now as an overall, as kind of one film... um, i think i don't do this a whole lot but i think since i'm combining two out of five scores i'm going to do this as an overall out of 10 i don't like doing out of 10 scores because i feel like i have too much leeway uh of ground to work with like i could you know label something a 5.5 out of 5 and or 5.5 out of 10 and and or I can do like six or a seven or an eight or a nine or one or two. I feel like there's too much uh, maneuvering to do. But since this is kind of combining both movies and com- and not trying to give it about the same, uh, trying to give it about an aggregate score. Uh, I think I'm gonna go out of ten on only certain things like this. Uh, so out of ten, I'm going to give it a nine point five out of ten. Uh, I think that that's a pretty accurate score to say for the uh the project as a whole uh i think it really works uh it's a fairly good adaptation again like if you would take parts from the original miniseries and parts from these two movies and kind of mix them together you would actually have almost the perfect adaptation of his actual book uh, not that anyone's ever going to do that, but you know that's just kind of my interpretation of it. That's kind of how I view it. It's how I feel about the Salem's Lot miniseries stuff. Um, so, yeah, I think a nine point five is 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 right. Uh, I will definitely be uh, interested on like revisiting it. I don't think I'm going to see it in theaters again, um, just because it is a long movie, and um, I think that. Uh, it'll be better to kind of view more again from the comfort of my home. And like I said, if they kind of released this like master cut, uh, I know there was stuff that they cut out of this one to kind of trim down the running time a little bit. And I'm interested to see what was cut out if they're going to release a director's cut, but I kind of want them to release like a, a mega cut of both films together, kind of told cohesively. Like, I think they would, you know, do some slight re-edits because of how, where this movie picks up and where the, movie ends uh i think that they could easily kind of re-edit it just a little bit uh to make that run a little bit smoother but i would be very interested that if they release a copy like that and watching it you know all like five hours of it in its glory and uh and them reviewing it from that aspect uh you know kind of doing it the way i did it uh, i think it was, it was a as close proximization of that as I can get right now uh, and kind of how I want to do the Avengers review, which I know I keep talking about doing and I haven't done it yet. I promise it's coming. Um, all right, so I think that's gonna do it for this week's episode. Um, you know, I, I have the spoilers coming, but I just want to go ahead if you're going to bow out now. Uh, you know, thank you for listening. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at Critics cynics uh, if you want to write in to the podcast, if you want, uh, to write in any suggestions for movies that you want reviewed on the podcast, if you have any, uh, questions, uh, thoughts or opinions that you want expressed on the podcast, uh, feel free to write in at critics, not cynics, at gmail.com. Or if you are following me on Twitter, just send me a DM and, uh, I'll bring it up on the next episode. I really like to hear from my audience and kind of have more audience participation that way. Uh, and also, if you don't mind, if you have a few seconds to head over to iTunes and uh, subscribe to the podcast, uh, leave a rating and a review if you can. doesn't have to be long, just a few words. If you like the show, if you don't like the show, you can give me five stars, you can give me one star. You can hate my opinion or you can love my opinion. It just really helps make the, uh, the podcast more viewable, more discoverable for other people, and to kind of help grow uh you know i got some big plans for how i want the podcast to kind of turn out things i want to do in the future some stuff i've had uh in talks with crystal at the horror nights in podcast um which at some point i know we're going to be doing a uh another uh guest episode i'm going to be guesting on her show at some point here in the near future we have to set a day and a a film that we're going to discuss but um if you haven't uh discovered her go and look up her podcast uh um the horror nights in podcast or just go uh she has a youtube channel now and she started doing some uh trailer reactions and some vlogs and i think she's going to be doing some uh reviews on there as well um so go find her on on youtube uh at uh, i believe it's just the horror nights in podcast or horror nights in channel um she's got great um viewpoints on horror and i can't wait to to talk to her about this movie when uh when she gets a chance and uh, yeah alright guys uh, thank you for for tuning in this week um, we will uh, we will talk to you next time hopefully uh, in the next also coming up episodes uh, have some more guests on uh, I want to reach out to uh, a director on Twitter and see if uh, he'd be willing to come on and do an interview or, or a discussion about his movie I've already reviewed it in the, on the podcast in the, in the past uh, Butterfly Kisses but uh, I I would like to see if uh, he and I can sit down and, and have a discussion about that movie, uh, maybe for the Halloween time. It's something I kind of got planned. I got to reach out to him though, uh, reach out to Eric and see if he'd be willing to come on. I know he had expressed interest in coming on for a Lord of the Rings uh, episode, which I want to do. I just don't have planned yet or uh, when I want when I'm going to do it. But I definitely would love for uh, him to come on that episode. So if I can get him uh, to kind of talk about his movie for halloween uh, uh that would be fantastic so all right guys we'll, we'll we'll talk to you next time and all right if you bowed out if you haven't bowed out this is the spoilers uh section of the of the episode uh so go ahead and tune out or go see the movie and then come back and listen to this uh last little bit so uh the final uh, the final reveal of what it looks like. Now they kind of kind of took the easy way out, but I think it was the best way out. Um, so kind of with how it is in the book is just, it, pennywise or it is pretty much like this giant cosmic spider, uh, which makes sense. like he kind of keeps the children and like basically drains their life forces from them and kind of cocoons, cocoons them like spiders, uh, like a spider does. And um, I, I, uh, I know that the miniseries gets a lot of flack for the, the way that the spider looks at the end of the miniseries. And I mean, I like it, but I understand the hate it gets a little bit too. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think with, with what this movie does is it does it smart. It has the spider, but it's not the spider. So, like, you have Pennywise with the multiple legs. So it looks like Pennywise, the clown, but also like a spider. And uh, I think that that was their best way to play it because I don't think that they were going to win anyone over by trying to do what the miniseries did and trying to actually come up with something really horrifying, but yet (sighs) realistic is the wrong word, but, you know, realistic. Um... So I think that that was very clever with how they beat it. Uh, I think was also clever using kind of its own uh, attack against it to kind of like it takes on the shapes of your worst fear and they kind of force it to become something that they could easily defeat and kill. Uh, th- but yet what's really interesting is kind of they... And again, if I'm getting this a little mixed up between the miniseries and the book, I I can't quite remember. But uh, it always kind of, if I'm right, Bev was kind of the important figure to help really wound Pennywise. To help kind of give them the opportunity to kill Pennywise. And it seems like they've kind of taken that away. Like that didn't seem to really play in a factor at all. Uh, The Eddie part does. It's a little bit differently played out, but Eddie plays his normal role. But, uh, Beverly didn't seem to kind of really play that, that, that much of an important role in the climax. like overall in the film, she plays a very important role. Um, and I, I, I just, I don't know how I feel about it. Uh, I don't think it was necessarily bad, but I don't know why they felt like they needed to change that. Um, but again, like the standout performance was Bill Hader. Like I can't stop singing his praise. Like he was perfect in it. Uh, and I I just, like, I can't think of a better person that they could have gotten to play that role. Um, but, yeah, again, like, I think that that was smart to have basically the spider body, but it being in Pennywise's clothes uh, and, and you know, big giant, just basically a big giant Pennywise and them, you know, being chased around by that because I don't think that they would have won anyone over or that it would have been nearly as successful um, in trying to do what the book had because uh, you know the book can only give you so much detail and and you've got these writers and these visual effects artists and the director all trying to do their best of their own interpretation of it and whether or not it will work but uh, i think it was very successful in doing what it did and uh yeah I, i'm I'm ready for it for home release like i i really enjoyed it uh i can separate all three from each other and still be the book is the book and I love the book for what it is the, the 90s miniseries is the 90s miniseries and I love it for what it is and these two movies are what they are and I love them for what they are um, I think that they've been very successful adaptations so even though that there have been things that were changed and things that I didn't quite agree with uh, overall it, it felt like it did enough justice to the source material unlike a certain Pet Cemetery movie uh, that I felt really crapped on the source material but you know that's that's just my opinion on that one i uh, no, no offense to anyone who actually liked the pet cemetery remake but uh all right guys that's that's it for the spoiler section so stay tuned for uh you know at the next episode of critics not cynics